0: Pete Buttigieg finds himself under attack as the wine cave candidate. Joe Biden demonstrates durability, and Amy Klobuchar throws all of the binders. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why have you not gotten a VPN yet? Visit expressvpn.com slash ben. So, last night, big Democrat debate. And the first 45 minutes of the debate, nothing happened. The first 45 minutes of the debate, everybody sort of patted each other on the back. They had this group hug. And then things got a little spicy. So here is the very, very short summary of how this thing went. Not a great night for Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, he had his moments, but not a great, probably the worst night for Pete Buttigieg he's had so far. Really bad night for Elizabeth Warren. So some people are giving Warren more credit than she deserves here. Warren had a bad night. Bernie Sanders is always Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden is always Joe Biden. And Amy Klobuchar forced everybody else to eat salad with a, with a comb. So that, it was actually a pretty good night for Amy Klobuchar. So let's just jump right in to this debate, because the big winner, as always, whenever we have a Democratic internal debate, is President Trump. There's a swing state poll out today that shows that in the swing states, Biden is tied with Trump, that he leads, Trump does, every other Democratic candidate who was on that stage last night. There is a reason for this, and that is that Democrats continue to give President Trump campaign commercials. We haven't even seen Trump weaponize all of the content that Democrats have given him in the past several months. And there's a lot of it. I mean, a lot of it. So this whole thing starts off, this whole debate starts off, and again, they were down to only seven candidates who were on the stage. Tom Steyer is not a real candidate, and Andrew Yang was provided his typical two minutes and 30 seconds to talk and say that he's going to give everybody $1,000 and all of this. But there are really five candidates on the stage, five serious candidates for the presidency. Amy Klobuchar is only considered a serious candidate, one, because she's a senator, and two, because she's running at about 7% in Iowa. So you could see the possibility of a late surge by Amy Klobuchar if, for example, she starts to draw away support from Pete Buttigieg, which is exactly why she went after Buttigieg last night. Buttigieg was by far the most attacked candidate on the stage. Joe Biden sort of stood off to the side, so did Bernie Sanders. And they watch the kids clock each other. And by kids, I mean a 70-year-old senator from Massachusetts and a 37-year-old newbie from South Bend, Indiana, and Amy Klobuchar, who, let's be honest, you wouldn't want to meet Amy Klobuchar in a dark alley considering all of the the stories that have been written about her and her apparently sadistic tendencies. In any case, this thing starts with everybody talking about impeachment because impeachment is the order of the day. And don't worry, we'll get to impeachment a little bit later on. In the show, Nancy Pelosi, by the way, has a new strategy on impeachment, and that is we're not going to give the charges to the Senate, which is the dumbest strategy of all time. In fact, one of the Democrats' key witnesses in their House Judiciary Committee hearing was a Harvard Law professor, and that Harvard Law professor has now suggest- that same professor has now suggested that if you do not actually submit the articles of impeachment to the Senate, then Trump has not been impeached. Technically speaking, so Trump can continue to claim he has not been impeached until they actually submit the articles to the Senate, according to Noah Feldman, who is the Harvard Law Professor Democrats called during their House Judiciary Committee hearing. So self-owned from Nancy Pelosi right there. In any case, this thing starts and everybody is talking impeachment and the angles that the various candidates took on impeachment is indicative of their sort of angles in the campaign generally. So Joe Biden's angle on impeachment is that it's his job to restore integrity to the presidency. Here is Joe, slow old Joe, who looked a little bit livelier last night, has Jarrett Holland, was ready to go.
1: You know, uh, we need to restore the integrity of the presidency, of the office of the presidency. And it's about time we get that underway. My job, and I think the job of all of us up here is to, in fact, well, that's not true. Some are going to be actually voting in the Senate. But my job is to just go out and make the case why he doesn't deserve to be president of the United States for another
0: four years. Okay, so basically, I'm here, I'm Joe, you know me. Right. His case for impeachment is really his case for being president, and that is that he is a tree stump. And wouldn't you like a tree stump as opposed to this wild orange man over here? That's always been Joe Biden's case for the presidency. It's a back to normalcy case. Then there was Bernie Sanders' case, and that is that Donald Trump, it's not that he is a wild, crazy person. It's really that he's not a socialist. So here's Bernie Sanders making his pitch for the presidency on the basis of impeachment.
2: I believe and I will personally be doing this in the coming weeks and months is making the case that we have a president who has sold out the working families of this country who wants to cut Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid after he promised he would not do that and who has documentedly lied thousands of times since he is president.
0: So just wondering, has President Trump restructured Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid? Because I'm pretty sure that I would have noticed if he had. By the way, all of the talk about President Trump and and selling out the working class, jobs have been increased under President Trump in every single state in America. According to new polling data from CNN, 76% of Americans say that current economic conditions are good. 68% say that they are confident that economic conditions will be good a year from now, which would be after the election. So good luck with the whole the economy sucks case, because that ain't going to fly. We're going to get to more of the Democratic debate in just one minute. First, it's that time of the year. You're buying a lot of stuff, right? This is the year when you just blow out those credit card bills. Well, instead of spending as much as you as you would be spending without those promo codes that you can find online, you should be using Honey. Honey is this wonderful app. You put it on your computer. It runs in the background of your computer. Every time you shop, it finds the best promo codes for you. So you're saving money virtually every time you shop. I have probably saved thousands of dollars at this point through Honey. It works on all the major shopping sites Whether you're shopping for watches, as I'm apt to do, or whether you are shopping for anything else via Amazon.com, Honey works everywhere. Honey has found it's over 10 million members, over a billion dollars in savings. It's a free browser extension that automatically finds the best promo codes whenever you shop online. Honey has over 100,000 five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store. It doesn't make any sense not to use Honey. You should be using Honey because why the hell would you not? It'll save you money. If you're buying gifts this holiday season, you need Honey. If you're not, you probably know somebody who is. So do them a solid and tell them about Honey because, I mean, exi- what there's no downside. It's free to use. It installs in just two clicks. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Ben. Again, that's joinhoney.com slash Ben. Once more, joinhoney.com slash Ben. Okay, back to this debate. So they're talking impeachment, and they are trying to make the case for why they ought to be president based on impeachment. Elizabeth, so we've already heard from Biden, and it's I'm a tree stump, and Bernie I'm a communist, and now we hear from Elizabeth Warren that she's an anti-corruption fighter, an anti-corruption fighter. Now, as we will see, she has the worst debate of anybody of the night. I mean, just a terrible, terrible debate for Elizabeth Warren. I know conventional wisdom is that she sort of held steady. False. She completely collapsed. It was really, really bad for her because her entire shtick has been that she is fighting corruption. That is her entire deal is that she is fighting corruption. Here she is making that case. We'll see later on in the debate. Pete Buttigieg clocks are one good, and she goes flying through the wall. Here's Elizabeth Warren.
3: You know, this president has made corruption originally his argument that he would drain the swamp. And yet he came to Washington, broke that promise and has done everything he can for the wealthy and the well-connected from tax breaks to ambassadorships.
0: See, she's an anti-corruption fighter. And this is her shtick. There's only one problem. It's not true. It's not true. Every rule that she has set For herself as a candidate, she has already broken as a candidate in prior election cycles. And this is something Buttigieg is going to bring up. Okay, now to Pete Buttigieg. He's been surging in Iowa. He's been surging in New Hampshire. He never had great national numbers. But that early state momentum has been very solid for Pete Buttigieg. And so his pitch has basically been, I'm Obama. But instead of being the first black president, I'd be the first gay president. Sure, I don't have any real qualifications to be the president of the United States. Sure, I've been like the mayor of a town with 8000 votes. Remember, he won his election in South Bend, Indiana with 8,000 votes. This will come up later on in the debate as well. 8,000 votes is fewer votes than I get in a typical Twitter poll. When I just put a poll on Twitter, I will get many more than 8,000 votes. Okay, this is, it's, it's amazing. This person is considered a national candidate based on his record. He's very good at this. He's a talented politician. Here he is channeling Obama hope, hope and change, hope and change. Here's the good news. It's up to us.
4: No matter what happens in the Senate, It is up to us in 2020. This is our chance to refuse to be taken in by the helplessness, to refuse and reject the cynicism.
0: Okay, so again, channeling the Obama optimism. As it turns out, Pete Buttigieg, you can only fly above the fray for so long. The only good answer on impeachment, by the way, was given by my boy Andrew Yang. He had a moment later on in the debate I didn't like very much, but this was a very good moment for Andrew Yang being a real human being saying, listen, you keep talking about Trump, you keep talking about impeachment. The real problems of the country have nothing to do with Trump.
5: The more we act like Donald Trump is the cause of all of our problems, the more Americans lose trust that we can actually see what's going on in our communities and solve those problems. What we have to do is we have to stop being obsessed over impeachment, which unfortunately strikes many Americans like a ball game where you know what the score is going to be, and start actually digging in and solving the problems that got Donald Trump elected in the first place.:
0: Okay, yeah, this is an actual smart answer from Andrew Yang. The problem is, of course, Andrew Yang is not one of the top contenders. Okay, then they move on to the economy. And this is a real problem for the Democrats. It's a problem for the Democrats because, as I've said, the poll numbers on the economy are very, very strong for President Trump. So Joe Biden is asked by one of the moderators, so Americans kind of like this economy because the economy is real good. They may not like Trump, but what about people who say they don't love Trump, but they love the economy? And Biden says, well, no, no, I just refuse to accept that people like the economy. Yeah, good luck with this argument.
1: Well, I don't think they really do like the economy. Go back and talk to the old neighbors in the middle class neighborhood you grew up in. The middle class is getting killed. The middle class is getting crushed. And the working class has no way up as a consequence of that. And the idea that we're growing, and we do not about have to listen to the rest growing,
0: of him, the about this. We don't have to listen to the rest of them because he says that, then Buttigieg that, then Warren says that. It's always the economy isn't really good. Sure, you feel like the economy is good, but it's because you don't know. In your heart, you know the economy is bad. Record stock market. Record low unemployment in the black community, in the Hispanic community, among women, like everyone. But apparently it's very, very bad. And then you have Bernie Sanders, who does his usual crazy routine. He actually said, and this is such a lie, he said this in like every debate, and it's always a lie. He says, today in America, we have the highest rate of childhood poverty of almost any major country on Earth. Of any major country on Earth, we have the highest rate of childhood poverty? Has he heard of most of the world? Has he heard of like anywhere else other than the United States? Because that is bat bleep lunacy. That is just untrue. Okay, so the the Democrats are completely disconnected on economics. How do you know they're completely disconnected on economics? Because you end up with Elizabeth Warren saying things like this. So so Judy Woodruff asks Elizabeth Warren, how do you answer top economists that say that these taxes are not going to be good? Listen to Elizabeth Warren's crazy answer.
3: How do you answer top economists who say taxes of this magnitude would stifle growth An
0: investment. Oh, they're just wrong. Oh, well, if non-economist Elizabeth Warren says that huge, enormous taxes won't hurt, the I totally believe her. I totally believe her. We're just going to completely rewrite basic econ 101 because Elizabeth Warren says, oh, they're just wrong. They're just wrong. You know, like taking trillions of dollars out of the U.S. economy and pouring it down the rat hole that his government is not going to hurt the economy in any way because she says that that's wrong, that it's not true. Again, I don't think that most Americans believe this. And this is why Buttigieg... So basically, the story of Buttigieg's night is that he kept owning Elizabeth Warren over and over. He just kept destroying Elizabeth Warren over and over. And then Amy Klobuchar would come in from the wings like Macho Man Randy Savage and just pile drive him. (laughs) It was was very amusing. Here's Pete Buttigieg, though, owning Elizabeth Warren on taxes.
4: Yes, we must deliver big ideas. And yes, taxes on wealthy individuals and on corporations... Are going to have to go up. We can also be smart about the promises we're making, make sure they're promises that we can keep without the kind of taxation that economists tell us could hurt the economy. On issue after issue, we've got to break out of the Washington mindset that measures the bigness of an idea by how many trillions of dollars it adds to the budget, or the boldness of an idea by how many fellow Americans it can antagonize.
0: Okay, that is true. It's why Buttigieg is seeing an upswell. Okay, that one sentence where he says, we've got to break out of the Washington mindset that measures the bigness of an idea by how many trillions of dollars it adds to the budget. That could come from a Republican debate, right? I mean, that could come from any Republican on any stage anywhere. And he's the only person who will say that remaining in the Democratic debate. And that is why he at least has some level of popularity, Pete Buttigieg. As we will see, he also, while clocking Elizabeth Warren, got absolutely destroyed, I mean, just wrecked. By Amy Klobuchar. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about that end of the year to-do list. So we are approaching the end of the year. It's that holiday season. The last thing you want to be thinking about is death, is your own demise. Well, goodness, you don't have to think about it for that long. Just go over to policygenius.com, get your life insurance taken care of. If you haven't done this already... It's not responsible. You should make sure that your family is taken care of in case, God forbid, something should happen to you. Policy Genius makes finding the right life insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers and find your best price. You could save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home and auto insurance, disability insurance. Being a good person this holiday season means taking care of your family, getting the insurance you need, is one of the great ways to do that. If you need life insurance, you aren't sure where to start, why not start at policygenius.com? It only takes a few minutes to find the right life insurance policy, apply and cross another thing off your to-do list. Policy Genius. when it comes to life insurance, it is nice and important to get it right. Make sure that your family is taken care of because otherwise you're not being a responsible human. Go check them out at policygenius.com. Again, that's policygenius.com. Com and make sure that you're doing all the hard work you need to do to make sure your family is taken care of and then just cross it off that holiday to-do list and you never have to think about it again, which is a pretty, pretty good thing to do when you're talking about life insurance and death. Okay, so then the Democrats get into their wildest proposals. Their wildest proposals always come in the area of climate change. Joe Biden cuts an ad for Donald Trump in this, in this debate that will be replayed 1,000 times if Joe Biden is the nominee. Tim Alberta, who's one of the moderators, who apparently... Apparently, he ran into flack from PBS because he works at Politico now, but he once used to write for National Review, and this is very, very bad. Now, there are a bunch of top-line reporters who used to write for National Review. Like Eliana Johnson was a top-line reporter for, I believe, the Washington Post. Very nice gal. She used to work for National Review. Tim Alberta used to work for National Review. Apparently, this is very bad. He's the only person asking intelligent questions on the stage. He says to Joe Biden, so how many jobs are you willing to sacrifice on uh, on the altar of climate change here? And Joe Biden is like, all of them. As president,
4: would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue collar workers in the interest of
1: transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. The answer is yes, because the opportunity, the opportunity for those workers to transition to high paying jobs, as Tom said, is real. We're the only country in the world that's ever taken great, great crises and turned them into enormous
0: opportunities. Nothing says enormous opportunity like laying off hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers. I mean, that is one hell of a... I mean, you think that won't be in every commercial? That he that he will displace hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers? The answer is yes. Yee, yee, ye. Joe Biden. Not a great general election move. Now, it may help him in the primaries, but in that general, that is going to come back to harm him. Then, of course, you get Bernie Sanders just being a crazy person. Because this is... Ber- Bernie. Sa- the fact that Bernie Sanders is even a remotely leading candidate in the Democratic Party... It really says a lot about the current state of the Democratic Party. They have lost their minds. Here is Bernie Sanders explaining that we should take our entire defense budget and we should spend it on fighting the sun. Here is Bernie Sanders. The United
2: States has got to lead the world. And maybe just maybe instead of spending one point eight trillion a year globally on weapons of destruction, maybe an American president, i.e. Bernie Sanders, can lead the world. Instead of spending money to kill each other, maybe we pool our resources and fight our common enemy, which is
0: climate change. We're going to get the Chinese to stop spending money on their weaponry and instead spend money on climate change. We're going to get the Russians to abandon all of their military spending and instead we're going to spend it on climate change. How are we going to do that? You're going to elect me. I'm crazy. So crazy. I'm just going to walk into Xi Jinping. I'm going to say, you want a piece of this? I'm a crazy man. Have you seen these hands? I'm nuts. These hands are deadly weapons. Look at them. They move without my own permission. Do you want to be on the wrong side of these hands? Okay, Bernie. Okay. The, the, the One of my favorite climate change responses from Elizabeth Warren. So she openly acknowledges that if you want to lower carbon emissions, you have to use nuclear power. And then she immediately announces that she will never build a new nuclear power plant. So she's utterly unserious about this, obviously. But... That is Elizabeth Warren in a nutshell. Her dishonesty is rank. As we will see, it comes back to bite her. I know I'm previewing that a lot, but it really came back to bite her last night. Here's Elizabeth Warren explaining, sure, we need nuclear power, but I'm not building any of it.
3: So I see it right now is we've got to get the carbon. We've got to stop putting more carbon into the air. We've got to get the carbon out of the air and out of the water. And that means that we need to keep some of our nuclear in place. I will not build more nuclear.
0: Oh, so you need nuclear because you need less carbon emissions, but also we're not going to build any more nuclear power plants. Very serious person, Elizabeth Warren, with many proposals and plans, I have been informed by reliable people. Okay, Joe Biden did have a couple of good moments. during. I thought that this was Biden's best debate by, by a fairly long shot. This was his best moment. So he was talking about, somebody asked him whether he was naive to believe that he could work across the aisle, because Elizabeth Warren has said this. She said that, He's, he's just naive to believe he can work with Republicans. And here was Joe Biden's answer. This is actually quite a good answer.
1: I refuse to accept the notion, as some on this stage do, that we can never, never get to a place where we have cooperation again. If that's the case, we're dead as a country. We need to be able to reach consensus. And if anyone has reason to be angry with the Republicans and not want to cooperate, it's me. The way they've attacked me and my son and my family. I have no, no, no love. But the fact is, we have to we have to be able to get things done. And when we can't convince them, we go out and beat them like we did in the 2018 election in red states and in purple states.
0: Okay, that, that was Biden's best answer, because the other Democrats are on stage going, we're going to run much over these people. We're going to line them up against the wall. And then Biden's like, no, we got to work with them. And listen, I don't love them, but we got to work with them. This is actually Biden's best appeal. And many of the Democrats don't actually understand this appeal. The only candidates on stage making this appeal are three. Biden, Buttigieg, Klobuchar. Those are the only ones on stage who are making that appeal. And it's actually a fairly smart appeal. And then we get into the race section of the debate. And here's where all the intersectional glory of the Democrats comes out. Now, listen, you know I love my boy Andrew Yang. You know, andrew I think Andrew Yang is a good guy. I think he's a solid dude. I disagree with him on a lot of politics. But I think that he's an honest fellow. I thought that this, this answer last night from Andrew Yang was his first dishonest answer in the entire election cycle. So Andrew Yang is asked about the fact that he is the only person of minority status on the stage. I mean, Buttigieg judge is gay, but but the only person of color on the stage is what Yang is asked. And here is Yang's answer. And I thought, again, the fact that this is sort of the requisite pandering on the Democratic stage says a lot about their view of America. Here's Andrew Yang explaining that he feels bad that he's the only minority on the stage. By the way, just quick note. For the intersectional activists, Asians don't count as part of the intersectional coalition. They're too successful and too highly educated, which is why they don't care that Asian students are being barred from Harvard University at a disproportionate level in order to make room for other, quote unquote, less fortunate minorities. Here's Andrew Yang.
5: It's both an honor and disappointment to be the lone candidate of color on the stage tonight. I miss Kamala. I miss Corey, though. I think Corey will be back.
0: OK, that's just not true. Um, I'm sorry. The, Andrew Yang is not sitting around night going, I miss my friends. It's not like empty tables at the end of Les Mis. He's, he's not sitting around and being like, oh, where, where, Kamala, where are you? Why? He, he's not sitting around going, Cory Booker, I need, where's, where's Mr. Potato Head and his angry eyes? I need them on the stage taking up time. I need them here. Where are they? He's not disappointed. He doesn't care, okay? like No one cares. They're bad candidates. That's the reason they're not on the stage. Again, I'm amused and bemused by the fact that the Democratic Party seems to have forgotten that Barack Obama was president for eight years Okay, is the, do they have to keep proving their bona fides every single election cycle? Well, you know, if we don't have enough minorities on this stage, clearly we've reverted to Jim Crow-style racism. Alternatively, Cory Booker is an awful candidate and Kamala Harris is even worse. But the fact that they have to keep pandering is just ridiculous, ridiculous. And pandering didn't stop there. He had Bernie, Bernie Sanders doing the same routine, saying that, that if, there, if there aren't any of our African-American brothers and sisters up here to speak about an economy in which black people are exploited, then I... An old Jewish white man will do it. And then you had Amy Klobuchar suggesting that she's going to stop gerrymandering and black people are being barred from voting. Okay, all of that was nonsense, but that's the requisite part of the Democratic debate. In just a second, we're going to get to the Democrats on foreign policy. Back to the delusional for the Democrats in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that it's no fun to go to the drugstore and look for all of the materials you need for the bathroom. Okay, I tend to be very lazy when I'm not doing this show. And what that means is that I never go to the drugstore and pick up the materials that I need. The first time I realize that I don't have a razor and that I need one is exactly when I need to use it. Okay, well, the way that I have solved this problem is I use Dollar Shave Club because they just ship it to me. I never have to think about it ever again. And their products are better than the stuff that I'm getting at the store. And I don't have to spend an hour sifting through all the various products trying to find the best product that best fits my... Dollar Shave Club has it all. Dollar Shave Club has spent years developing, crafting, and refining everything. They have everything I use to look, feel, and smell my best. I've been a Dollar Shave Club member for years. Not only do I enjoy the razors for right here on the neck, but I also enjoy their their amber lavender body cleanser. They've got great stuff for your hair. They, they, they just have everything that you could possibly need. They've got you covered head to toe. They have everything you need to shower, shave, style your hair, brush your teeth. And yes, they even have the world famous butt wipes. The Dollar Shave Club can keep you automatically stocked up on the products you use. You get what you want whenever you need it, whether that's once a month or a few times a year. Again. I love being able to sort of program this in and then just forget about it. It makes my life incredibly easy and it means that I am never out of the products that I need. Right now, you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club's products to the test. Their ultimate shave starter set has basically everything you need for that amazing shave, the executive razor, the shave butter, the prep scrub, the post-shave do. The best part is you can try it for just five bucks. After that, The restock box ships regular-sized products at regular prices. Get your ultimate starter set for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. That is dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. Again, dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. It's fantastic and makes your life easy, and the products are fantastic. dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben for the special deal. Okay, back to the Democratic debate. So, then the Democrats get into the foreign policy arena. And they start off with Israel. Bernie Sanders is so awful on Israel, it is almost impossible— to, to to overestimate how bad he is on Israel because he will always surpass your expectations. So Bernie Sanders is asked about Israel and he plays the I'm super pro-Israel card. Yes, his entire campaign is staffed by people who hate Israel. He campaigns with Linda Sarsour. He's been endorsed by open anti-Semites, Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib. But don't worry, guys, he loves Israel. Listen to this statement he makes about Israel. Apparently, Israel exists where t- there's no such thing as terrorism. Palestinian terrorist groups do not run the Gaza Strip and the and the West Bank. And everything is hunky-dory. It's just those weird Jews, right? It's just those weird Israelis and their weird weirdness. Here's Bernie Sanders saying the real problem in the Middle East is Bibi Netanyahu. He may have neglected, you know, the intervening 60 years of Israeli existence where its neighbors attempted to destroy it before Benjamin Netanyahu became prime minister. He may be neglecting the fact that even Benjamin Netanyahu's political opponents actually agree with him on foreign policy. But it's very convenient for Bernie to blame everything on Israel because he is, of course, a far leftist who actually does not like Israel. He actually despises Israel.
2: Israel has, and I say this as somebody who lived in Israel as a kid, proudly Jewish. Israel has the right not only to exist, but to exist in peace and security. But what, but what U.S. foreign policy must be about is not just being pro-Israel, we must be pro palestinian as well and whether in my view we must understand that right now in israel we have leadership on the netanyahu who has recently as you know been indicted for bribery who in my view is a racist what we need is a level playing field in terms of the middle east which addresses the terrible crisis in Gaza where 60 or 70 percent of the young people are unemployed.
0: Yeah, and might be because a terrorist group runs the Gaza Strip, but his solution is that we should be dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into the Gaza Strip so those terrorist groups can continue to conduct terror. By the way, the convenient Judaism of Bernie Sanders is something to behold. The man has nothing to say about Jewish identity for nearly his entire 80 years on planet Earth. But the moment it is convenient for him to cite his Jewish identity in order to bash the Jewish state, then he's all up in it, right? He is, he is a perfect case of somebody who's only Jewish when convenient. He can stuff it with this whole, I'm Jewish, therefore I have capacity to speak on this. Nonsense. Nonsense. If the only reason that you're citing your Jewishness is you can pretend to be a minority or so that you can claim that Israel's very, very bad. that And like, you're going to have to name for me another time when, when Bernie Sanders has ever talked about Judaism in a serious way. Yeah, sure. And then you have Pete Buttigieg, who sort of glossed over the question, and and he ripped on Trump and suggested that Trump is is actually an anti-Semite because he welcomes quote-unquote white nationalists into the White House. Yeah, that was just silly. And then then you had Joe Biden. Biden, at least, is living in, in something resembling the real world. Like, he's wrong on Israel, but at least he recognizes you have to keep giving them physical aid so they can maintain their security. But it really is, when you get to China, that it becomes obvious that the Democrats don't know what they are what they are talking about the only person who had a good answer on china is andrew yang andrew yang actually understands a lot of the challenges that america is facing with regard to china his take on china and their technological war on the united states is exactly right here's andrew yang
5: i have sat with our leading technologists and they say they cannot match the chinese resources china just produced its first major smartphone that does not have google apps and it is now trying to export its technology to the rest of the world what we have to do is build an international Coalition to set technology standards, and then you can bring the Chinese to the table in a very real way because this is their top priority and this is where we need to outcompete them and win.
0: Okay, so Yang is right about this. He's the only person who had anything credible to say about this. The rest of them were like, "I'll be mean to China." Sure. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So most of the debate so far has basically been everybody hugging each other. Right. It was more of a town hall than a debate. But then came what we've all been waiting for. The Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the Rock'em Sock'em Robots. So we started getting questions about age and about qualification, and it got kind of fun. So this began with Tim Alberta asking Vice President Biden about his age. He says, let's face it, dude, you're old, like you're soups old, really old. And Joe Biden proceeds to act kind of old.
4: Just to follow up, Vice President Biden, if elected... If elected, you would turn 82 at the end of your first term, you'd be the oldest president in American history. You're are like you willing, Churchill: Are you willing to commit American history?: oh, American history. Yes: Are you willing to commit tonight to running for a second term if you're elected next November?
1: No, I'm not willing to commit one way or another. Here's the deal. I'm not even elected one term yet, and let's see where we are. Let's see what happens. <laughs>
0: Okay, and everybody laughs at this because everybody recognizes that dude is real old. So not a horrible moment for Biden, but it is kind of funny that he's trying to prove that he's not old and then he cites British history as opposed to American history. Okay, then we get to more, so let's get to the, the dicey exchanges. Let's get to the dicey exchanges. So I've been pitching this one all day. The moment when it became clear to everyone that Elizabeth Warren is the worst, the worst. So Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg go at it. She starts off, by attacking Pete Buttigieg for using bundlers, and for using and for fundraising from billionaires, and Pete Buttigieg is ready for this attack because Elizabeth Warren has been trotting this out on the campaign trail for weeks now. And Buttigieg is a person who does his homework, right? Buttigieg, for all of his flaws as as a candidate and all of his, uh, I would say, nastiness as a, as a religious person and, and all of all of this kind of stuff. For all of that, Pete Buttigieg is a man who does his homework, and so Elizabeth Warren comes after him. And suggests that he is in the pocket of big donors. And Pete Buttigieg just knocks her through a wall. And it is phenomenal. Because she has had this coming for a long time politically. She has had this coming. Because she has been doing the, I'm on my high horse over here, fighting corruption. And this is a lady who has violated every rule. Every rule that she currently says that she holds to, she has violated in the past. And Buttigieg calls her out on it, and it is quite ugly for her. Now, it's not scot-free for Buttigieg. Because she does get one line on him. And that line was the most quoted line of the debate. You're going to hear the phrase "wine cave" here. The reason that it's the most quoted is because, of course, most of us have never heard of a wine cave. What the hell's a wine cave? Is it like a place that that back in caveman days they used to go and just like guzzle grapes? Like, what, what? What Apparently, it's a, something that very, very wealthy people have. I'm not a wine drinker, so I don't know much about it. In any case, here is Warren and Buttigieg going at each other. Warren gets the most memorable line, but Buttigieg just finishes her on the stage.
4: Warren, we can't have
3: people who can put down $5,000 for a check, drown out the voices of everyone else. Okay.
4: The way we're going to win is to bring everybody to our side in this fight. If that means that you're a grad student digging deep to go online to PeteForAmerica.com and chip in 10 bucks, that's great. And if you can drop a $1,000 uh, without blinking, that's great too. We need everybody's help in this fight.
3: So the mayor just recently had a fundraiser that was held in a wine cave full of crystals and served $900 a bottle wine. Um, Think about who comes to that. He had promised that every fundraiser he would do would be open door, but this one was closed door. We made the decision many years ago that rich people in smoke-filled rooms would not pick the next president of the United States. Billionaires in wine caves should not pick the next president of the United States. Mr. Mayor, your okay. response.
4: You know, okay. according to Forbes Magazine, I am the literally the only person on this stage who's not a millionaire or a billionaire. So if this is important... This is the problem with issuing purity tests you cannot yourself pass. If I, pledged, if I pledged never to be in the company of a progressive democratic donor, I couldn't
3: be up here. Senator, your net worth is 100 times mine. I do not sell access to my time. I don't do call time with a millionaires second. and billionaires. Sorry, as of I when, don't Senator? meet. I don't meet behind closed doors with big-dollar donors. Senator, your presidential campaign right
4: now, as we speak, is funded in part by money you transferred, having raised it at those exact same big-ticket fundraisers you now denounce. Did it corrupt you, Senator? Of course not. So to denounce the same kind of fundraising guidelines that... President Obama went by, that Speaker Pelosi goes by, that you yourself went by until not long ago in order to build the Democratic Party and build a campaign ready for the fight of our lives. These purity tests shrink the stakes of the most important election.
0: OK, so that is Elizabeth Warren going up against the king. And you best not miss. And she missed. It was <laughs> not a good look. Now, the wine caves thing will stick. So it's not a complete miss. To be fair to Warren, it's not a complete miss. But it doesn't help her because he clocked her there. right? For him to point out that she has taken billionaire money and then she took that money and then she immediately funneled into her presidential campaign all the leftovers from her Senate campaign, that is 100% true. It is 100% true. And the former governor of Pennsylvania, Ed Rendell, wrote an entire piece about this, criticizing her for setting these sorts of false purity tests. So, frankly, good for Pete Buttigieg for fighting back on that particular score. Now, as we'll see, Buttigieg then ended up, then ended up getting kicked around. Okay, so it didn't end up great for Buttigieg either, but at that moment, in that exchange, Warren got really hurt because she is deeply dishonest. And that is obvious to anyone who's been watching this campaign. We'll get to more of this in just one second. So listen, this holiday season, you're going to be sending and receiving an enormous number of packages. That means people are coming to your door almost constantly. And you don't know who these people are. You know, one of the things that people who want to rob your house do is they will rob, they will will they will knock on the door or they will ring the doorbell, see if you are home. And then if you're not home, that's when they break in. Well, one of the things that you can do to prevent this from happening, the best thing you can do is to use Ring. Ring helps you stay connected to your home from anywhere. So if there's a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you'll get an alert. You'll be able to see, hear, and speak to them all from your phone. If you're on the go this season, whether it's across town or across the country, you can check in anytime for some much-needed holiday peace of mind. We use Ring products all over our house. Really, makes us feel much more secure, makes me feel more secure, makes my wife feel more secure. As a listener, you have a special holiday offer on a Ring Welcome Kit available right now. With a Ring video doorbell and a Chime Pro, the Ring Welcome Kit has everything you need to keep an eye on home, no matter what this holiday season brings. With Ring, you're always at home. So just go to ring.com forward slash Ben. Again, that's ring.com forward slash Ben. Go check them out right now. ring.com forward slash Ben. Additional terms, May apply. You're going to feel a lot safer once you got those Ring devices on your house. Ring.com forward slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Okay, in just a second, we'll get to Pete Buttigieg getting slapped. So he slaps Elizabeth Warren. And then, like it, the Battle of the Lilliputians, the the slapping between the the small human beings on stage in terms of their moral and political stature continues. We'll get to that momentarily first. It is that glorious time of the week when I give a shout-out to a Daily Wire subscriber today. It's Derek Riley on Twitter, who's clearly doing a fantastic job in the most important role of his life in the picture. Derek's adorable baby daughter is wearing a cozy cozy winter onesie while snuggling a glorious Leftist Tears tumbler, as all good babies should. She will grow up big and strong and brilliant. The caption reads, she's two months today growing bigger and stronger, thanks in part to the Leftist Tears tumbler, Even more nourishing than breast milk, Leftist Tears. Amazing. And with the amount of Leftist Tears on the horizon during this election year... You'll be growing by leaps and bounds. Thanks for the pick, Derek, and congrats to you and your family on this amazing baby. Okay, also, if you're not already a subscriber you're missing out, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe for as little as 10 bucks a month. You get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts, our full show library, select bonus content, our exclusive Daily Wire app, which is, in fact, a fantastic feature if you haven't checked it out yet. We spent time and money on it. You'll enjoy it. If you choose the new all-access plan, you get that all of that, plus the legendary Leftist Tears Tumblr that you saw that baby snuggling just moments ago, and our brand new Ask Me Anything-style discussion feature that allows you to engage our hosts, writers, special guests on a weekly basis. So stop depriving yourself. Come join the fun. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So Buttigieg crushes Elizabeth Warren in that exchange by pointing out that she's dishonest. The beneficiary of that is Bernie Sanders. So Bernie Sanders immediately responds, and he sort of knocks Joe Biden, but he really goes after Buttigieg. And the difference between Bernie Sanders and Warren is that Bernie is an actual true believer. Bernie's not BSing this stuff. Like, he's full of it, and he's awful, and he believes terrible things, but Bernie is a true believer. I mean, that is a man who will set himself on fire for his cause or at least buy himself a third lake house for his class. Here's Bernie Sanders explaining that Pete Buttigieg has, in fact, taken money from billionaires.
2: My good friend, Joe, and he is a good friend. <laughs> He's received contributions from 44 billionaires. Pete, on the other hand, is trailing, Pete. You only got 39 billionaires contributing. So, Pete, we look forward to you. I know you're an energetic guy and a competitive guy to see if you could take on Joe on that issue.
0: Okay, so that that is a brutal hit. Uh, By the way, Sanders had a good night because Sanders actually was more upbeat. I think he feels like he's doing well in the polls because he is. And he he felt like he was in a good mood the entire night. He he dropped a few jokes here and there. It was actually a a good night for Sanders. If you're going to talk about the people who won the night, Biden won the night, Sanders won the night, Klobuchar had a good night. Why do I say Klobuchar had a good night? Because she laid the hardest hit on Mayor Pete. I mean, this is a brutal, brutal hit on Mayor Pete. I'm talking here about clip 33. So Amy Klobuchar is talking about experience. And she points out that there are a lot of people on the stage who have some experience. And Pete Buttigieg is not one of those humans. Here's Amy Klobuchar. Buttigieg tries to get out of it. He's prepped for the answer. The problem is he was not prepped for the response because goodness gracious. I mean, she just from the top rope, Amy Klobuchar
6: go. When we were in the last debate, Mayor, Uh, You uh, basically mocked uh, the hundred years of experience on the stage. I just think you should respect our experience when you look at how you evaluate someone who can get
4: things done. You actually did denigrate my experience, Senator, and it was before the break and I was going to let it go because we got bigger fish to fry here, but... I don't think we have
6: bigger fish to fry than picking a president of the United States. We should have someone heading up this ticket that has actually won and been able to show that they can gather the support that you talk about of moderate Republicans and independents, as well as a fired-up Democratic base. And not just done it once. I have done it three times. i got to respond to
4: that. i got to respond to that.
6: Senator, I I know
4: that, that if you just go by vote totals... Maybe what goes on in my city seems small to you. If you want to talk about the capacity to win, try putting together a coalition to bring you back to office with 80 percent of the vote as a gay dude in Mike Pence's Indiana.
6: Again, I would, Mayor, if you, if you had won in Indiana, that would be one thing. You tried and you lost by 20 points. But let's talk I'm about sorry, how we win. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> so, Booty when, when he's cornered, he finally plays the Mike Pence is a bigot. He's a bigot. This is, this is always Booty Judge's move of desperation. So, every candidate has a move of desperation. Every candidate has the go to the well move. For Elizabeth Warren, it's, I'm not corrupt like you. I'm not corrupt like you. And for Bernie Sanders, it's, Those billionaires are the worst people. They're just the worst people. And for Joe Biden, it's malarkey, malarkey. And for Pete Booty it's, Mike Pence is the worst. Now, I don't know what it, like, did Mike Pence, like, hide under his bed once with a butcher knife or something? Like, Mike Pence, by all available public records, has been nothing but genteel to Pete Buttigieg. When Buttigieg came out of the closet, Mike Pence was like, happy for him, hope he leads a happy life. When Buttigieg joined the military, Mike Pence personally called him up on the telephone to thank him for his service. And yet, Pete Buttigieg has set this whole thing up like, Mike Pence, vicious anti-gay bigot, standing outside my house, burning crosses. Yeah, Mike Pence. And so he's like, Klobuchar's like, well, you've never won anything, right? You won 8,000 votes in South Bend, Indiana, which again, like I'm in an event down here in South Florida. There'd be like 5,000 people just at this event. And yeah, 8,000 votes is nothing. It's a, it's a rounding error when you talk about national politics. You're talking about a national election that is going to involve at minimum 130 million voters. And you're saying that because you once won 8,000 votes in South Bend, Indiana, a historically blue city, that you are somehow qualified to win. And Klobuchar points that out. And Judge and goes to that safe and happy place, which is, I'm gay. And Mike Pence hates gay people. And Klobuchar is like, um, well, if you're going to say that you built a coalition as mayor of South Bend, Indiana, you might want to remember that. Like, we're going to ignore this, but you ran for state treasurer in Indiana. So you tried to run statewide in Indiana, and you got cleaned like a fish. You got gutted. By the way, he didn't lose by 20 in Indiana. Mike, uh, Pete Buttigieg, he didn't lose by 20 in that state treasurer race. He lost by 25 to Richard Murdoch, who went on to sit in Senate and then lose to a Democrat. So it wasn't even like he was losing to the best candidates. It's just that Pete Buttigieg's actual agenda, when looked at by people in the middle of the country, is not anything like what he is campaigning nationally as. And Klobuchar just finishes him right there. I mean, that, that's a bad look. And Klobuchar, by the way, has a level of support in Iowa. It's not tremendous, but you are going to see a bump for Amy Klobuchar in the aftermath of this debate. She had a good, aggressive debate. Finally, when the stage was cleared off of all the riffraff, and by that I just mean like everybody who was getting 2% or less, once the stage was cleared off and you had, you know, people who are actually getting 5% or more in any state poll— then you could actually see the contrast between the candidates. And you see that Klobuchar actually has the record that Pete Buttigieg pretends that he has, that Amy Klobuchar has the positions that Pete Buttigieg presents that he has. And so I would not be surprised to see Buttigieg start to wane now. I wouldn't be, like people are saying, I don't know how much the debate's gonna matter. It's gonna matter some. And I think that the image of Pete Buttigieg as fresh-faced, that only lasts so long as people fail to recognize that Pete Buttigieg has never won an election that is larger than a thimble. And he was elected class president in third grade, basically in terms of national politics. That's not a rip on South Bend. That's a a statistical reality. And Klobuchar pointing that out, it's not going to help him. The wine cave thing is not going to help him. It's going to look like he is a grasping person who's attempting to grab as much wealth as he can from a variety of people because he doesn't actually have a base outside of upper-class white white establishmentarian types. So while he hurt Warren, and he did, because she is incredibly dishonest, She's already hurting, right? She was already on the downslope. Buttigieg was on the upslope. I think you're going to see that stall out now. I think the very least, you're going to see him even out. I think that you may see him start to decline. And I think you're going to see a little bit of a bump for Amy Klobuchar, specifically because of all of this. Now, the, the finest moments of the debate in terms of just wild leftism, and this is where President Trump makes his money, right? And President Trump makes his hay where the Democrats' radicalism lives. The best part is when you get to transgender politics. So again, the pander bear just is the imaginary spirit animal of every Democrat. And so you ended up with the bizarre spectacle of Bernie Sanders explaining that he is going to wipe out discrimination against transgender communities, apparently by waving his hands wildly and yelling.
2: We need a president who will do everything humanly possible to end all forms of discrimination against the transgender community, against the African-American community, against the Latino community. And against all minorities in this country.
0: I like how he adds that little blanket statement on the end. All minorities because he, he started running out of he, he's afraid he's gonna miss somebody. It was like an Oscar speech where you miss your agent. Yeah, I have to name every minority I can think of right now. So gay people, transgender people, bisexual little people, African Americans, Latinos, Native Americans, not Jews, they're not intersectional, not Asians, they're not intersectional, and the other minority that I missed, all of them. Like of the minorities. But... Sanders pales in comparison to Elizabeth Warren. Again, so dishonest, so awful. Here's Elizabeth Warren. I mean, you want to, is. there's Die Hard and then there's Pander Hard. I mean, this is Pander Hard with a vengeance. Here is here is Elizabeth Warren explaining what she's going to do for the transgender community. And this is just, I mean, she, y- you know what she is? There, there, was, there was talk about President Trump back in 2016, that he spoke conservatism as a foreign language, that he sort of approximated where he thought conservatives were, and that's why he ended up saying things like, we want to put women who have abortions in jail, and everybody who's pro-life was like, well, not so much. It's because Trump was sort of estimating where he thought the constituents were. Elizabeth Warren treats the base of the Democratic Party like they're idiots. She treats them like they're idiots. And so listen to her pandering to the transgender, to, to transgender Americans. The way that she does this is so overt and blatant and stupid. It boggles the mind. Here's Elizabeth Warren.
3: Here's a promise I make. I will go to the Rose Garden once every year to read the names of transgender women, of people of color who have been killed in the past year. I will make sure that we read their names so that as a nation, we are forced to address the particular vulnerability on homelessness. I will change the rules now that put people in prison based on their birth sex identification rather than their current identification. I will do everything I can to make sure that we are in America that leaves no one behind.
0: So you know what she's going to do for you transgender people? If you get murdered, she's going to mention your name in a Rose Garden speech. Aren't you excited? Aren't you pumped? She's not pandering. That's how deeply she feels things. Just like she feels abortion so deeply she's going to wear a scarf. A scarf. Ooh. How this lady rose to near the top of the the Democratic Party is, is beyond me. Okay, so it is a weak field. There was one good moment for Joe Biden that I think is going to be a memorable moment for Joe Biden. Joe Biden was talking about how he helps stuttering kids on the campaign trail. This became a particularly memorable moment for Joe Biden, specifically because Sarah Huckabee Sanders promptly stepped directly on a rake because she doesn't understand that Joe Biden was once a kid who stuttered and has struggled with that. Here was Joe Biden saying this. Sarah Huckabee Sanders then tweeted something nasty out about it and Biden really smacked her. And that was a good moment for Biden, politically speaking. Here's Biden talking about this.
1: My wife and I have a call list of somewhere between 20 and 100 people that we call at least every week or every month to tell them. I'm here. I give them my private phone number. They keep in touch with me. A little kid who says, I, 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 I can't I, I can't talk. What, what, what do I do? I have scores of these young women and men who I
0: keep in contact with. Okay, And, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders didn't understand what he was talking about there. And so she tried to make fun of him. You know, he said, I, I, I have absolutely no idea what Biden is talking about. And he immediately tweeted back at her. And he said, I've worked my whole life to overcome a stutter. It's my great honor to mentor kids who have experienced the same. It's called empathy. Look it up, Huckabee. Sanders then deleted the tweet and apologized, obviously, because she she said, I actually didn't know that about you. That's commendable. I apologize. Should have made my point respectfully. That's a good moment for Biden, because anytime you do something, I mean, that's that's a clear win for him. OK, so final analysis. Biden is fine. He's durable. Sanders has that durable base. Booty Judge got hurt last night. Klobuchar got a leg up on some people last night, and Elizabeth Warren, I think, is done. I think Elizabeth Warren is on a serious downslope right here, and it's only going to continue. Okay, time for some things that I like and then some things that I hate. So, it is a rare day when I think that Trevor Noah is right about something. So, Trevor Noah on Comedy Central, he was pointing out that every Democrat on stage does this routine where they're like, I'm not rich, I'm not rich, I'm not rich, I'm not rich, as though this is some sort of qualifier to be president of the United States. And Noah drops a pretty funny line here. here. Here he is.
4: Senator, your net worth is 100 times mine. Ooh. Wow. Pete Buttigieg just
0: called Elizabeth Warren a wealthy person. <laughs> you realize, for progressive white people, that's like being called the N-word. <laughs> yeah. They're like, how dare you call me wealthy? I'm living comfortably, okay? Okay. And you could see Elizabeth Warren wasn't liking that because she did that thing that white women do when someone fights with them—they just face forward, like I'm not hearing anything. <laughs> <laughs> see, Trevor Noah can be funny when he decides not to be a, a partisan hack. So that—that's that. It's true. It's so true. And it's been one of my pet peeves in this whole sh- in this whole shebang is is how it is that Booty Judge is like my qualification is that I'm poor. Like, well, guess what? There are like millions of other people who have not earned a lot of money in American society. Also, you're 37, and let's be real about this, dude. You went into politics after working at McKinsey. You're gonna be rich, okay? If anybody thinks that Pete Buttigieg, by the time he is 50, is not gonna be worth millions of dollars, it's because you're an idiot. Pete Buttigieg will be worth plenty of money. Even Bernie Sanders, a lifelong useless person, is worth a million dollars, because he's 80. Okay, so like, come on, come on. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. Okay, so this is an insane story. Are you prepared for a story rife with insanity. Here you go. This is a story about a woman named Maya Forstader. It made a lot of news yesterday because J.K. Rowling got involved. We'll get to that in a second. So Maya Forstader is a researcher on taxes. She's a tax expert. She works for something called the Center for Global Development, or rather she did. It's a think tank based in London and Washington that campaigns against poverty, according to the UK Independent. She was accused of using offensive and exclusionary language on Twitter. What did she say that was so offensive and exclusionary? This is a direct quote. Men cannot change into women. Offensive and exclusionary. To point out, men cannot magically change into women. Now, I know. You and I think about this and we're like, right. Okay, so? But in Britain, this is basically illegal. She said men cannot change into women. She was fired. And then she sued. She said that she was protected under the 2010 Equality Act because... There are protected philosophical beliefs under the 2010 Equality Act. You can't be fired for politics, for example. So what did the judge decide? So the judge at the Central London Employment Tribunal, which is, whenever you use tribunal here, it just sounds like something out of the Spanish Inquisition. And it turns out it is, except the leftist, secularist Spanish Inquisition. Judge James Taylor, not the singer, decided that Forrest view was, quote, incompatible with human dignity and fundamental rights of others. So men cannot magically become women is incompatible with human dignity and the fundamental rights of others. See, it seems to me that a fundamental right of another person would be to speak freely. Also, compatibility with human dignity seems to be like not firing people for saying basic biological truths. Like, the, But no, according to this judge, it is incompatible with human dignity and the fundamental rights of others to say a biological fact. According to the judge... He says the tax expert was not entitled to ignore the legal rights of transgender people and, quote, the enormous pain that can be caused by misgendering a person. So you're not entitled to say a biological fact if it hurts someone's feelings in Britain. If you do that, you can be fired from your job in Britain. And by the way, this will move into the realm of hate speech, and pretty soon you'll be able to be prosecuted in Britain for, quote-unquote, misgendering people. Already in New York City, by the way, the New York City Human Rights Commission ruled like four years ago that if a business regularly quote-unquote misgenders people, it can be fined like a quarter million dollars for each incident, which is total insanity. So if you if a man comes into your bar and you're like, hey, dude, and he's like, I'm a woman, and you're like, are you, though? He can sue you and the Human Rights Commission in New York will fine you a quarter million dollars. Okay, This is, this is where we stand in, in cities in the United I mean, by the way, it's a brute, basic violation of the First Amendment, but in Britain, it's even worse. This judge's ruling is fully insane. You ready for this? He concluded, quote, If a person has transitioned from male to female and has a gender recognition certificate, that person is legally a woman. That is not something Miss Forstatter is entitled to ignore. Miss Forstatter's position is that even if a trans woman has a GRC, she cannot honestly describe herself as a woman. That belief is not worthy of respect in a democratic society. That belief is not worthy of respect in a democratic society. I mean... The, the utter unbelievable gall to say that it is not worthy of respect in a democratic society to say that a document from the government does not magically change you from one sex into the other. This is utter absolute bat bleep lunacy. It's utter lunacy. Totally crazy. I mean, that, that is, are you kidding me? So according to the government, this is what happens when government gets too big and too audacious and believes it can do magic. So according to this judge, the government issues a certificate. It says you are now a woman. This means that everyone is now legally obligated to call you a woman because the government said so. Do you have any idea how nuts that is? I mean, you, you talk about legal positivism. This is legal positivism taken to its extreme. Legal positivism is the philosophy that rights and realities don't exist absent the government stating them. Okay, th- this is basically like suggesting that, you know, for hundreds of years, black people were considered property in the United States. The government legally considered them property. So if you said that black person is a person, that presumably, because the government had already weighed in on it, the belief would not be worthy of respect in the democratic society, very offensive to slaveholders. This is nuts. The judge says, even paying due regard to the qualified right to freedom of expression, people cannot expect to be protected. If their core belief involves violating others' dignity and creating an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating, or offensive environment for them. Due regard to the qualified freedom of expression? Um, you haven't paid any regard to the qualified right to freedom of expression. It doesn't matter to you. You cannot expect to be protected if your core belief, not even the expression, the belief, involves violating other people's dignity. By the way, we disagree with each other all the time. In public life, we do it all the time. And in private life, we disagree with each other all the time. Is every disagreement about the nature of the world somehow a violation of others' dignity? Because if so, the government is violating this lady's dignity by saying she can be fired for believing a biological fact. Okay, so why does this become such a major issue? One, it's a major issue on its own. Two, J.K. Rowling weighs in. Now, J.K. Rowling is the author of the Harry Potter series. She is way on the left. I mean, so much on the left that every so often she, ret- she retcons a character. Right, Suddenly, Dumbledore just becomes gay for no reason. It's a children's book. But, you know, Dumbledore, he was always into the, into the lads. That was always Dumbledore's thing. Like 10 years after the books are written. Mm, Okay, sure. Why not? Okay. Well, now she tweeted out in favor of this, right? She said, dress however you please. Call yourself whatever you like. Sleep with any consenting adults we will have you. Okay, so far, we are in pure leftist progressive territory. Live your best life in peace and security. But force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real? Hashtag, I stand with Maya. Hashtag, this is not a drill. This led to the world collapsing in on J.K. Rowling. She'll comfort herself with her 500 million books sold. Vox.com headlined, I kid you not, J.K. Rowling's latest tweet seems like transphobic BS. Her fans are heartbroken. are heartbroken. J.K. Rowling just ruined Harry Potter. Merry Christmas. Did I miss the part where Harry Potter was like a transgender tract? Also, if a muggle declares themselves a wizard, are they a wizard or are they still a muggle? I'm, I'm confused. It was not just the, the idiots at Vox and their explanatory journalism. It was also the Washington Post. J.K. Rowling, this is from Internet Culture Analysis by Sonia Rao and Abby Olheiser. They put two of their finest on this over at the Washington Post. J.K. Rowling tried to make her work more inclusive. Then she tweeted support for an anti-trans researcher. Oh, there goes the inclusivity. There it goes. That's terrible and evil and wrong. Absolute stupidity. Absolute stupidity. Elena Darcy, a Harry Potter who for five years wrote for the website MuggleNet and co-produced a podcast on Rowling's Fantastic Be series, told the Post via email, "Until this moment, I was in a sort of denial. I'm so heartbroken. This is who she is choosing to be." The Harry Potter Alliance, a fan-led nonprofit, distanced itself from Rowling's tweet. We know that trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary people are non-binary. Also, men are women, women are men, and non-binary people have no gender. That affirming and respecting people's gender is kind, loving, and literally saving lives. This is utterly crazy. Utterly crazy. Well, uh, it seems to me that J.K. Rowling only has one way out of this, and she has to declare Dobby a transsexual. It's the only way. Dobby is now a transgender transgender elf. Dobby used to be female, but now is male. Dobby could be non-binary. You don't know. Dobby's never self-identified. So we could just do this. Maybe Harry's a, a female. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe this series is so woke that Harry is actually a female. Had you had that ever occurred to you? It could happen. Just wait until next week when J.K. Rowling has to walk this thing back and so she retcons a transgender character into one of her books. All of this is insane and stupid, but that is our society. righty, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content, including the mailbag. So if you're a subscriber, you're going to want to tune in. You have two, access to the two hours anyway, so you may as well tune in and hear if your question gets read. Otherwise, we'll see you after vacation because guess what, guys? I am on... Holiday vacation next week. I will be back the week after. So we'll bring you all the updates then. Good news, Congress is out of session. Not much is going to happen, so you won't miss too much. But if you miss me, you can go tune into our best of shows, and you can browse all of our old content. We have lots of great stuff. And tune in later today for two hours of additional content. Remember, dailywire.com slash gift. If you want to get that gift subscription 25% off until January 1st. Otherwise, we'll see you next year. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah to everybody. Catch you around. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer Jeremy Boring. Senior producer Jonathan Hay. Supervising producers Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer Austin Stevens. Associate producer Colton Haas. Assistant director Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Karomina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. On the Matt Walsh Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture, faith,
1: family, all of the things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation.
0: We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free...